Welcome to the On The Air podcast, a companion to On The Air magazine, a bi-monthly magazine from ARRL for beginners to intermediate ham radio licensees. I'm your host, Steve Ford, WB8IMY. Every month, the On The Air podcast extends material found in On The Air magazine to help you learn about the many things the ham radio service and hobby have to offer. The On The Air podcast is sponsored by ICOM, for the love of ham radio. In the new September-October issue of On The Air, we've included an article titled A New Ham's Guide to the ARRL Handbook by Steve Goodgame, K5ATA. The handbook is a resource that ARRL has been publishing for almost 100 years. It's considered one of the top go-to sources for information about radio technology. But unless you're a veteran amateur or maybe you work in the engineering field, chances are you've never heard of it. So why should you care about the handbook? Or putting it bluntly, what's in it for you? Let's ask the author of the article, Steve Goodgame. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Good, good. A little damp up here with all the rain we just had overnight but otherwise okay yeah i imagine so we we sent ida up towards you passed through here a couple days ago yeah thank you for that uh you're welcome (laughs) well you wrote extensively in the september october issue of on the air about the arrl handbook and as i already told listeners there are quite a few people who really have no idea what this book is all about and why it may be something they want to add to their collection. Can you elaborate? Yeah. In fact, it's it's one of those, I've been licensed for, goodness, since 94. And, you know, when I first got licensed, I didn't buy a handbook because when you look at it, 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 it looks overwhelming. I mean, it's, what, 1,400 pages or something. It, it's pretty intimidating and, looking, yeah. And, and so, you know, at the beginning, I just assumed it was one of those books for, you know, all the hams that knew what they were doing and they were taking things deeper and deeper. And then, you know, eventually I bought a copy of it because I guess I felt I was getting close to that point. Which, when when I bought it, I was like, "Holy cow! This thing is full of stuff that I could have used right at the beginning." Um, and you know, one of one of my passions is getting new people into the hobby, especially youth. And it's it's a resource that I think is incredibly underutilized. Um, it's just, I mean, it's chock full of information that goes from a very surface level all the way into, I mean, you can get really into the weeds. So it's really a great resource for, for all hams, not just as I mistakenly thought at the beginning, those, I guess, seasoned hams is what we'll call them. And now they've split it into, or at least you have the option to buy it, into uh, separate volumes rather than that one huge chunk. Although you can still buy the one huge chunk if you wish. Yeah, but the, the one huge chunk, and I still have an old copy of the one huge chunk in my classroom. And um, it's definitely unwieldy, I guess. It, it's not it's not conducive to you know laying in bre- in bed and having a, a quick read because it, it weighs several pounds. So I, I'm kind of partial to the breaking it up into six volumes. It's commonplace when you go to electronics companies and go back in the engineering labs to see a copy of the handbook among all the other books on the shelf. Is it? See, I've not been into a lot of a lot of labs, so I didn't know that. But you know, let's. That's interesting because I've not seen it. In fact, even at our local amateur radio club here in Oxford, Mississippi, I don't believe there's a copy of it in there. 
Oh. And I mean, se- several of them have their copy at home, but it's one of those. I mean, it answers so many questions. And in a meeting, if somebody has a question, that's the perfect resource to have. So I'm actually going to take my old copy when I'm I'm closing out my classroom and I'm going to donate it to the local club here so that they at least have a copy. It's somewhat dated, but a lot of that information, it's kind of timeless, I guess. Oh, yeah. It's uh, evergreen, as I guess they call there it. You- because after all, the laws of physics haven't changed all that much, you know, in the last no. hundred years. But uh, would you say that the handbook is useful to the beginner, even if he or she really doesn't understand some of the more intense material in there? Absolutely. Um, you know, and I, I wrote about this in the in the article, but one of the biggest things that I guess I made mistakes on at the beginning was um, things like selecting feed lines and, th- you know, antenna systems and all those things that you need at the very beginning to get on the air. I mean, you're not going to get on the air without an antenna and a feed line. And it, it's just the differences between the different types of feed line, which now it seems like we have a huge number more than we did back then of options. But, you know, it's it's one of those this feed, there's a lost chart. And I forget what chapter it's in. I want to say maybe chapter 20. Um there's a loss chart in there that tells you what kind of loss you can expect from different kinds of feed line at different frequencies. Just having that would have saved me a ton of money. I mean, there's no telling how much money I spent on RG58 only to find out that was not the right feed line for what I was trying to do. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and I mean, antenna assist, it, it talks about antennas and the different advantages of different types of antennas and even discusses, you know, some solutions for if you're in a homeowners association and putting them in an attic. I mean, it's it's full of great information that new hams especially are, are interested in. You know, we, we answered all the questions on the test. And, you know, I teach middle school kids. And let's just be real. A lot of times they, they memorize a lot of those answers and they don't really take ownership, I guess, of, of the content. And then afterward, when they're trying to get on the air or trying to do something, they're like, well, there was a question, but I don't really get it. And, you know, having a handbook handy, they can open up to it. And like I said, they can it, it they can get really surface level with it. And if they go back and read it again six months later after they have an understanding, they get something more out of it. And it just gets, like I said earlier, you can get really deep into the weeds with it. That's true. In issues of On the Air magazine, we try to address fundamental concepts. Um, for example... Uh, reactance. Well, what is reactance? What is inductive reactance? What is capacitive reactance? And why should you even care about it? But of course, in On the Air magazine, we only have so many pages available to us. The handbook, on the other hand, goes into substantial depth. You can read as far as you want to get an understanding of the concept, or you can go much farther in the same book to dive, you know, headfirst into the mathematics if you desire. When I wrote the article for On the Air, you know, I, I forced myself to look at it through a different light of, you know, how would a new ham look at this and what what's useful in there. And every single chapter just about you get there and you're like, holy cow. I mean, antenna gain is an example. I, I wrote about antenna gain in there and how as a new ham, all I kind of knew was the bigger number was better, supposedly. And, uh, you know, you it explains the charts. It explains how, you know, different antennas have gained in different directions and, you know, takeoff angles and elevation. I mean, it discusses it and it, it does a really good job of discussing it in a way that a new ham can understand like you said. 
And then if you really want to get into designing antennas, then you read it a little differently and, you know, it goes into much more depth. So it does a particularly good job with antenna concepts. And I'm glad you brought up gain because that's one of them. Gain is something that can really throw a curveball at a lot of people. Uh, Some even end up thinking that the antenna somehow magically amplifies a signal when you know once you finally learn what gain is all about it's really more about concentrating or focusing like a magnifying glass yeah and that's you know um an example would be like a traditional tape measure yagi that you know kids build and we build it projects you know that's a good way to show to kind of illustrate it for new hams but it the book does a great job of showing that you know certain antennas like you said it it focuses it, I guess, is the, the word I'm looking for. Now, the book also has a number of projects in it, doesn't it? It does. It's got projects, and um, another thing that has got that kind of relates to projects for me is it has lessons on how to do things that a lot of new hams don't understand, like, for example, using a multimeter. You know, for a lot of these projects, you're going to you're gonna want a multimeter, and it's, it goes through and it explains what the different settings mean and, you know, the basic use of one. So before you even dive into some of the projects, it, it dives into, you know, here are some of the tools you want to make sure you have before you get too far into some of these projects so you don't get frustrated in the end. Not to put you on the spot, because I you probably don't have a copy of the book right in front of you, but did any project in particular strike you as something that uh, a new ham might be interested in? Um, You're right. I don't have it in front of me. It's actually out in my camper right now, because... We, my daughter and I do a lot of parts on the air stuff. And I, I leave it in the camper for that very reason. But um, one of them that, that kind of percolates, I guess, to the top is, you know, it gives you instructions on how to build your first dipole antenna. And that's what everybody always says, you know, oh, you, you get on HF and, you know, build a dipole. And that's kind of the extent of what they tell you. It's like building dipole. Um, but in there, it explains the dipole antenna, explains how it works, why it works and gives you a project on how to actually construct so you know it's for all those people that are constantly saying well they said to build a dipole and then you know they're searching the internet or whatever trying to find a way to do it this is a resource they can just flip open the page whatever it is i don't recall off the top of my head and it's got a very well written guide on on how to do just that and more than just how to build it it explains why it does what which i think is is a key part of of learning and teaching is it's one thing to teach somebody how to do something but it's something else entirely different to teach them how to do something and why it does what it does if i recall the handbook even has uh, some basic instruction about how to solder doesn't it it does and uh in fact that's something that i use with my kids and i call them my padawans at school and um we teach them how to solder and that's i use basically that to kind of show them how to how to solder and that that's a resource that they have available to them as well. So, um, you know, it's like I said, all the basic tools are covered and how to use them in order to, to build these projects, which I think is great. I mean, it's, I don't remember what the, the sticker price is for the handbook. I want to say it's $40 or something, but I, I would have saved $40 in coax my first year, <laughs> just having that knowledge and, you know, um, just the ability to build some of the antennas instead of buying them and stuff like that. It's, I don't know, I would have, uh, I guess, been a lot more well-versed, I guess, in the hobby my first several years, not so much fumbling and trying to figure it out on my own. Well, hey, I was like you. Uh, I joined Amateur Radio 50 years ago, 
and I had nothing. I didn't have a mentor to help me. I certainly didn't have a handbook. And just like you described, I made a lot of mistakes. And yes, uh, about coaxial cable, too. So, Well, and, you know, mistakes are a traditional part of learning anyway, but it, it's at the same time when you make a mistake, you need to be able to learn from it. And if, if you don't understand why something went wrong, then you're just going to, I mean, you, like we said, we fumble through it. Um, you know, you were licensed 50 years ago and I was, you know, what's that, 30 years ago almost for me. It's before the internet was really a thing and there weren't answers for that stuff out there. And even now it can be overwhelming to find which answer you want to look at. Whereas the handbook gives, well, it's, it's a vetted resource, I guess. It's, you know, that the information in the handbook is, is solid and it's correct. And it's, it's not going to lead you astray and it's not going to tell you to build something that, you know, is going to fry your radio or something. You bring up a good it's point, dead. Steve. And, and that yeah. is that. Unlike a lot of what you find on the internet, the ARRL handbook is indeed vetted. In other words, it isn't rewritten from scratch every year. There are engineers throughout the years who have reviewed it and refined it. So, uh, yes, the information in there is pretty solid. It is. And I'm a firm believer that there's great information on the internet. I mean, I have a YouTube channel. I have several friends. I, I believe that YouTube is a great resource, but at the same time, not everything on YouTube is, or on the internet is, is vetted like that. And so if you want, I, I guess I view the two as kind of going together. You know, you, you can look at a YouTube video, maybe on how to do something and you can consult the handbook on and get, I guess, a vetted point of view, or even those instructions on how to use certain tools and kind of have the best of both you're right. I mean, there are good resources on YouTube, not just for ham radio, but for many things. And I've used them many times. On the other hand, as you know yourself, you come across stuff that just makes your hair stand on end. I once, and I won't mention who did it, but happened to cross a YouTube video that attempted to explain the concept of SWR, which we dealt with in On the Air magazine many times. And it just left me speechless. Well, and yeah, you're right, because it's, well, it's like we said, it's it's vetted, you know it's right, whereas on YouTube, a lot of times, people will hit a hit a link, they'll watch one video from somebody, and they'll assume that that's, that's it, and if that person's wrong, then it can, it can create significant cost <laughs> worth yes. of damage to, <laughs> to things, so it, it is nice having having a resource that you know has been around, and it's been tried and true and i mean it's anything that and it's updated like you said it's not rewritten from scratch it, it's updated every year so as new technology comes out you know they the rl makes a point of you know researching that and adding as appropriate to the handbook i know it has extensive information on the latest digital communications modes uh, like ft8 and ft4 and and so on and also uh there is a uh pretty hefty discussion about uh, amateur radio satellites. There is. And uh, in fact, satellites is one of the things that I kind of was interested in, in several years ago and then got busy. And when I was doing the article for on the air, I was like, you know what, I need to look at this again. And so, you know, just having it kind of sparked my interest back up in satellites. So now that's that's one of the projects that I'm, my daughter and I are going to experiment with is trying to get on the air with, with satellites. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. So, yeah, I understand you know a thing or two about that. So. Oh, a little bit, yeah, a little bit here and there. <laughs> you know, the handbook is also 
an excellent, just how can I put it, an overall reference. For example, if you if you're told that you have to build an antenna using 18 gauge wire, you might think, well, 18 gauge. What, what does that mean? How how thick is an 18 gauge wire? And in the handbook, you'll find all sorts of tables about wire sizes and just everything else. Yeah, and that's you know, like I talked about earlier with the lost chart. You're right that the handbook is full of charts and tables and reference material that you really don't even have to read the chapter on it. If you're just looking for a quick reference on, you know, how much loss does RG58 have at such and such frequency, I don't have to read the whole chapter. I can just, boom, there's the chart. It stands out. You can look at it and figure out, okay, well, maybe that's not the best voice. And then you can compare numbers on the chart, you know, determine what the best voice is. Yeah, that chart and that information is worth the price of the headbook itself. You you brought up uh, the idea of loss it makes you wonder how many new hams out there who, let's say, are on the two-meter band and they're running coaxial cable from their radio to an antenna that is, well, perhaps 50, maybe even 100 feet away. And they might think, oh, I'll just use this nice, thin RG58 cable. It's cheap. It goes through the walls easily and, and so on. Not realizing, unless they do look at those charts, that the two-meter energy that they put in that cable, most of that won't make it to the antenna due to the loss. And let's be honest, a lot of times people don't even understand what loss is, and the handbook explains that. And then, you know, they look at it like RG58, and half the time they buy like RG59, which is like 75 ohms, I think. That's right. And because, you know, it's, well, it looks close. And so they don't really understand coaxial cable at all well when i was licensed first i went to radio shack when i got a license and that's the cable they sold was rg58 you know so regardless of where what i was using to transmit with and how far it was running as a new ham without a whole lot of other resources that's what i was using so it's amazing i was getting a signal out sometimes at all i guess now see if you had the handbook you wouldn't have made that mistake <laughs> no I, I wouldn't have made that mistake so I might have might have had some a little uh, trouble back then finding a place to order cable because you know it was a little more difficult then. But, but oh, yeah. you know I would not have spent all that money at Radio Shack. And unfortunately, the people at Radio Shack didn't ask the questions and or have the knowledge to explain it to me. So well, we live and learn. So I just wish that I had learned by having a handbook up front, saving all that money headache. Well, I think your article in the September-October issue is going to benefit a lot of people. And uh, thank you for taking the time to write that. Oh, thank you. Um, it was it was a pleasure. And, you know, when, when I was asked if I was willing to write it, I was absolutely. And it was nice. It, it was, like I said, a great opportunity to kind of thumb through the whole thing again. And it's been a while since I've just kind of looked through the whole book. And, like well, like I told you, it, it sparks interest, too, so... I've got the arrow antenna back here behind me, ready to try it out. <laughs> well, thank you, Steve. Thank you for having me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, which took a deeper dive into material from the September-October 2021 issue of On the Air magazine. We're just weeks away from the start of autumn in the Northern Hemisphere, and that brings the start of amateur radio contest season. So next month, we'll talk about how you can get involved with this exciting activity. In the meantime, feel free to send comments about On the Air to ota at arrl.org 
read our blog at arrl.org forward slash OTA hyphen blog or learn more about ARRL membership at arrl.org. Until next time, I'm Steve Ford, WB8IMY 73.